Psalms 85. Verse number 6, excuse me. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? That sounds like a pretty good verse, doesn't it? I think so. You may not. Psalms 85, verse number 6. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? And I've used that. I've, I've preached on that. Matter of fact, the outline that I have actually has that verse as one of the very first verses. I could go over to Psalm uh, 138, verse number 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. And we could talk about, we could talk about revival there. We could go over to Second uh, Chronicles, chapter number 7, and we could look at verse number 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land." No doubt we could probably preach an hour on that particular verse and we could go through those steps and I've done that in times past. And I would not have a problem with doing that and I don't think it'd be out of place to do that tonight. There's some steps there that no doubt that as a church we could, we could glean some things from there. Uh, but that's not where my heart is. My heart really is, is in the word revival. Uh, but my, my thought comes from Ezra, Ezra chapter number 9, verse number, I'll read verse number 8. I'll give you just a minute or two to find the book of Ezra. You'll find that after Second Chronicles, okay? If that helps you any, if you have a Schofield Bible, we're on page 539. Uh, if you have a Schofield Bible, probably think either your pastor or Brother Sammy Allen. Somebody say amen right there. <clears throat> if you found your place, say amen. We'll go with the, we'll go with the majority. Ezra chapter number 9, verse number 8. I need you to help me when I get to these, uh, I guess maybe the 5th, 6th, and 7th word. And now for a little space, grace. What about that? Aren't you glad for those times when things didn't seem to be looking out just right and all of a sudden there was a little space that God could put grace What a blessing. And now for a little space, grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. Now, before I get into what will be the message, I need to be very clear about two things. Number one, I do not believe that we are a remnant. I need to be very clear on that. We are not a remnant, okay? This is speaking about the people of Israel. They're in bondage. He is not speaking about the church. The church is not a remnant, okay? And we are not in bondage. So let, let's, let's clear that up right now, all right? But I want to look at this. We started off with a little space and grace was given. And now in the middle of all of this, the people of Israel experienced 
that God gave them a little reviving in the middle of their bondage. And here we are in 2023, and uh, I watched the live stream the other day, and, and I don't want anybody, if you're watching or if you're here, I do not want you to get comfortable with live stream. We will not be doing live stream after tonight, but we've got several that are out sick. Uh, and I don't want folk, I, I've been yelled at, I've been nearly cussed at that we don't do live stream for our camp meeting. But if you want to be here at camp meeting, listen to it on the podcast or drive your happy self down here. Somebody help me and say amen right there. There's things that happen in the camp meeting that are so personal and so spiritual that you will never understand it unless you're here. Amen? And so we will not be doing that. So it's it's on tonight because we do have some folks that are not feeling well. And then there's several folks that are not here. I have no idea where they are, but I hope you're well. But tonight, I, I want us to know that in the middle of 2023... We've, we've come off of a pandemic. We've, we've come off and, and several of us have talked. It seems like since this pandemic, there seems to be so many different illnesses that have popped up and so many unexplained things that have happened. And, and there's now all of a sudden so many world powers that were never even considered before, uh, uh, 2020. And now they've come to power and it seems like America has has kind of uh, dwindled in its military might and powers that be have dwindled in, in their uh, security and in their uh, preeminence in the world's view and all of these different things. But in this, I also believe that the church, I'm talking about God's church, has seemingly, and, and, and we've heard preachers in this pulpit preach, uh, that there was during COVID, there was a, if you will, a coming out or coming about of the church and God began to kind of purify the church and those that were on the fence uh, they got out or they got in somebody help me say amen right there uh, if they were wanting to get out they went ahead on and got out but if they were trying their best to get in they made the commitment and they got in and bless God they stayed in now unfortunately they have they have got back to that fence and they're starting to walk the fence now and unfortunately Fortunately, it's time to make a decision whether they're going to get out or they're going to get in. Somebody say amen. And so what what we find here is now the church is two years or whatever we are, two or three years beyond the beginning of the pandemic. And we're finding ourselves needing to make some new decisions that should be made fresh and new every day. And it is in the midst of a time and a place in our society. It's in a time and a place of our lives as men, as daddies, as parents, as mothers, as children, that we need to make some decisions based upon eternity, not based upon finances, not based upon where we're going to be in social standings, but based upon eternity. And so as I mentioned, I want to preach a little 
little bit about revival. If you're taking notes, just write the word revival down and we're going to go letter by letter. Now, you may have made some notes back in 2019. I preached this, this, uh, this, what I'm about to preach here, uh, in 2019 as part of a message and I skipped through a lot of this very quickly. Uh, but I'm going to try to just focus on this as quick as I can and give you what I believe we need tonight for revival. Uh, I mentioned uh, to a young man the other day sitting on the front pew that uh, he had some decisions to make. And uh, I began to think later through the day uh, that there was a young lady sitting right behind him, Miss Kaylee, uh, that is going to be graduating uh, in May. And then Ashlyn, she's in the back tonight, she'll, Lord willing, uh, be graduating. And uh, Rachel just graduated last year, I believe it is. And, and others may be graduating soon. And there are decisions that needs to be made. Uh, but I want you to know that uh, I understand that those decisions must be made and they must be made uh, with a serious heart and a prayerful heart. Uh, but there's some things that need to be made uh, with a prayerful heart that are more so serious than uh, where to go to school or what type of job to pursue or what type of relationship to pursue. And it all surrounds the idea of eternity. And as it's been mentioned about eternal security, I want to say today I'm thanking God that I have an eternal salvation. And it's because of that eternal salvation that I thank God for a little bit of revival every once in a while. Uh, some of us have met this week and, and I intend to meet with others throughout the week uh, as I get a chance to meet with you and I try to, I'm trying to pray with different men uh, this week and if I haven't gotten to you, don't count me out. I'm coming. I want to come and pray with you and if not, I'll call you and pray over the phone with you. Uh, but I, I, I have a burden on my heart for revival for us and for our people. Uh, but in this, I want us to know tonight uh, that there are some things that we must have in this idea of eternal security. Uh, we've talked about uh, a revival in the past, back in the 80s. We've talked about meetings in years gone by and in days gone by. But I want us to know tonight and remind us this evening uh, that the same meetings that we had then, uh, we may not have the same men, but we have the same God. We may not have the same type of, of may not have the same songs, but we have the same melody in our hearts. We may not have the same shoe leather that's behind the pulpit, but I assure you that we still have the same Word of God that's being preached. And and so tonight I want to preach on this thought of revival, and I'm just going to give you this acrostic, and if you will help me pray, I don't understand how just missing one service without preaching can hurt so bad, but I guarantee you my chest is killing me uh, tonight. So if I have to sit down and finish preaching, just bear with me and pray. But number one, I want a revival tonight uh, that will repair my testimony. Sister Tanya mentioned about uh, eternal security, and I want you to know that one of the blessed things about eternal security is that when you do falter, and as Brother Eric said, when you do make a mistake, and it seems like as the water runs, all it is is just muddy water, and it's dirt after dirt after dirt. 
and your testimony is ruined, I'm glad that God can send a little revival and repair your testimony. Amen. I'm glad tonight that uh, to repair something means to restore uh, to a good or to a sound condition after decay or after it's been damaged, degraded by the surrounding conditions. I say over in Romans chapter number 12, verse number 2, uh, Brother Samuel, the Bible said, Be not conformed to this world, uh, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and uh, acceptable and perfect will of God. This evening, I want a revival that will repair my testimony. You understand that as an individual, you have a testimony of, of yourself before God. You have a testimony of yourself of yourself. You have a testimony of yourself uh, in front of your loved one, that spouse, uh, in front of your children, in front of your co-workers, in front of your, uh, maybe your immediate family, in front of your church. And if any one of those things are damaged in any way, uh, then you need something from God to be able to restore those things. And the, the slightest little thing can damage those things. And I need a revival that will repair my testimony. I don't have a lot of, I don't have, matter of fact, I don't have any possessions. I don't have really anything that I could claim as mine. Anything that, that is mine has been given to me. And, and by the grace of God, I thank Him for it. But I want you to know that the one thing that I have that is mine, that has been given to me by no man, is my testimony. And it's been given to me by God. And it is my most cherished possession. And I mean that my hand before God. It is my most cherished possession. It is the thing that I find myself. And, I, and I'm not being over, overly dramatic. I'm not being super spiritual, not in the least. But I find myself, Brother Stanley, all alone. And I'm, I'm not. I'm not being super spiritual. But I find myself be, all alone in my office basement, base, whatever the thing is, downstairs. And I find myself... Looking into myself at my testimony. How do I look to myself? Is there something that I need? Is there something, before I ever go to God, is there something that I can see that needs to be corrected? And Miss Denisha, sometimes I'm like, well, yeah, I know there's this, there's this, there's this. But Brother David... When I've cleaned it out the best that I can, I was walking down Brookwood the other day, and you know how it makes that cul-de-sac? I was walking down there. I thought I was doing pretty good. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my ways and see if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. I'm like, Lord, where did that come from? And all of a sudden, God began to pull a little stick out. It don't belong. <laughs> thought I looked pretty good, Brother David. And then God he said, no, your testimony was marred a little bit. Pull that out. I need a revival that will repair my testimony. Number two, if, if, again, if you're taking notes, we got the letter E. That was, that was the R, E. I need a revival that will ease my pain. There's, there's many burdens that we bear in our lives. 
And we need freedom from these burdens. We need freedom from the concerns and the anxieties. And most of you know where I'm going. Most of you got these tagged up. You probably got a post-it note. You, you got you. It's, it's a reminder. Siri reminds you of it every morning. You got, I'm telling you, got, somebody reminds you of it, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. You say, is there something wrong with that preacher? No. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. <laughs> that word cast, it doesn't just mean just, just throw it. No. It, it is to throw it away. Throw it away. Throw it away. Casting all your care upon Him. Why? Why would I do that? For He careth for you. Here's the second verse. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. I love this one. I love it. Absolutely. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, you cannot stop reading. Be careful for nothing, he says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We so often leave with thanksgiving out of this equation, but I believe, Brother Jody, that it is key to the equation that God has given us there. And he, he tells us that this word careful, it is, it is anxious or anxiety. He says, don't be anxious. There, there's no need to be anxious. But if it arises in you, he says, take it to God by prayer, by supplication, and go ahead and thank God for what he is going to do. What did we talk about? Was last night Tuesday? This is with it to Tuesday? Monday, Tuesday? What did we talk about last night? There's nothing impossible with God. We talked about it Sunday morning. He's the God of the impossible. So, if God created all things, and no one else has created anything else since day six, right? Then, go ahead and give it to Him and be thankful that the God that said it's good... Has got it. I need a revival that will ease my pain. I'll give you, I I didn't look it up. I believe it's in Galatians chapter number six. Y'all can look it up. Text me if you want to. Bear ye one another's burdens. Bear ye one another's burdens. Brother Kurt, if you got pain, then Two things that can help you. Two things that can help you. Number one, let somebody know. A lot of times we, 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 we hold that to ourselves. We don't let anybody know that we've got pain. And then we wonder why nobody's helping us. Well, it's because nobody knows. Okay? So, two things. One, let someone know. The second thing is, then let someone help you. So if you're hurting, let them know and let them help you. Bear ye one another's burdens. And then when you've been helped, you try to help someone else. You might not be able to bear all their burdens, but I guarantee you between Stanley 
and Jody and Hunter and Kurt, sorry, and Jamie and Nathan and David and Eric. And between, between all of us, we can try to help bear somebody's burden. And every one of us have our own weaknesses that we might not be able to help someone individually. But guess what? In spite of those weaknesses, every one of us have our own strengths as well. Not only, not only that about these, these, these pains, these, these weaknesses that we may have, talking about easing our pains, sometimes you just have to let them go. Sometimes the things that, that hurt us the most are things that we're holding on to. Miss Tanya bought, bought us, I feel like it was years ago, some asparagus ferns. It sounds so innocent. Looks pretty. Had two, two things. Some months ago, it come a, a, a freeze. They turned brown. So I went out there, and I, they're dead, Miss Irene, so I figured I'd cut them jokers off. So I reached in there and cut them, and I grabbed them. Them things got thorns. Well, it had been foolish of me to hold on to them. They were painful. So, Hunter, what's a smart thing to do? Let go. Brother David, I know. I know what your initial thought would be. But I did let go of them. I let go of them. But sometimes the thing that causes us the much pain, we want to hold on to. Well, they're so beautiful. Well, I've worked so hard to make them so full. They were given to me. So I want to hold on to them. Listen, though. Listen. Kaylee, I threw them things down. I had, a, I had a burn barrel in the back. I put them jokers in the barrel. I said, they ain't going to hurt me no more. I threw them in the burn barrel. A day later, I said, man, my arm, my, my finger hurts. One of them, don't ever give me no asparagus burn. One of them little thorns I had no idea was still stuck in my finger. See, I'd done what I was supposed to do. I dropped it, but it was still in there. So I had to get the tweezers and I had to pull it out. So see, even when you think you're done with your pain, it's gone. It's burned up. It's still there until you pluck it out. Y'all with me? We're on E. We got a V-I-V-L-E or A-L or however you spell revival. We got to go. I've done a long time. V, this is going to be painful for me. R, repair my testimony. E, ease my pain. V, vex my pride. I need a revival that will vex my pride. My pride keeps me from joy as much as anything in my life. Lee, could, do you remember the quote that you gave me today about money and joy? Could, do you, right off the top of your head, do you remember that? Can you tell me out loud? Did y'all hear that? Money can buy happiness, but it cannot afford joy. What about that? We sat there talking. The reason is because joy can't be bought. It's given by God. 
And the reason that my joy has been so interrupted so many times by pride is because God hates pride. And I need a revival that will vex my pride. The word vex, it means to trouble, to to distress, or to plague. I'm not going to read all of these verses, but you know that the Apostle Paul there in Philippians chapter number 3, he, he talked about the things that he had gained and how that he had suffered so many things, but he says, I count them as, as dung, that I may win Christ in verse number 8. He says um, in verse number 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means that I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that, if that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Listen. Brethren, verse number 13, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul had to figure it out. If anybody could be prideful, it was Paul. If anybody could beat his chest and talk about accomplishments, whether secular accomplishments, spiritual accomplishments, um, educational accomplishments, whatever it was, Paul could do it. But he says, I have not attained and I'm pressing forward. He said, I'm reaching forward to the prize. Reckon why he had to come to that, because he somewhere along the line read Proverbs 16, verse number 18, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before fall. I need, we need a revival that will vex our pride. Trouble our pride. Distress it. Plague our pride. I need a revival, number four, to inflame my heartstrings. I was fired up tonight. That's what inflamed means. It means to set on fire, to kindle, to cause to burn or to glow. I need a revival to inflame my heartstrings. Luke chapter number 24, verse number 30. 31 and 32, we read these a few weeks ago. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, this is Jesus, at meat with those men on the road to Emmaus. He took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them, and their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the Scripture? I don't know about you tonight, but I need a revival that will inflame my heartstrings. I, I, I get so tired of coming to church 
or even going to church. The Lord has allowed me over the last several years to be able to go to several meetings. And I've been in some where it is, I mean, just out the gate. I mean, people are shouting and it, that's wonderful. But there's been some that it is just, I mean, you're, I mean, you're, you're waiting for the final amen to get done so you can go to the house. And it is so sad because it is God's Word that is being spoken. It is God's Word that's being preached. It is God's man that's getting up there. And it is God's man that is giving you what God has given him. It is God's people that is singing. And they are giving it all they've got on the piano or on the instruments. They are singing the best that they can. They are doing everything that they can. And yet we as the people of God often and sit there with our, our, our hands together, twiddling our thumbs, doing absolutely nothing, waiting on God to show up when, when there is not a single heartstring vibrating within ourselves. I need God to inflame my heartstrings, church. Whether that's behind the pulpit or in the pew, I want God to do that. I was listening to... Who was it? Oh, it, was, it was about a month ago. I can't. I cannot remember who it was. And then right after that, I listened to to several messages by Brother Dent, and this man and Brother Dent both, in all three messages, said, "Out of the blue, I think myself happy." And, and I may have said something about this about Brother Dent at, right after that. But if anybody thought himself happy, it was Brother Dent. And let's just be honest. He had some reasons that he could have been sad at any given time. He could have. And he probably did have. But the time, most of the times that I got to spend with him, he was joking around. He was joshing around. He was doing something. He was making somebody laugh. When he was in church, he was doing whatever he could to enjoy church. Unless he did not enjoy church. And if he didn't enjoy church, he would let somebody know. That man's an idiot. It was, you know, maybe not quite that rough, but it, it'd get the point across. He said, I think myself happy. Have you ever thought about when, when some, and, and, and I'm not trying to get amens right here, okay? Have you ever thought about when somebody's singing or when somebody's testifying or when somebody's preaching or whatever it may be, some, when somebody's praying? Have you ever thought about, wow, Wait a minute now. They're praying. We can come boldly into the throne of grace. They're praying to God. They're in the throne room. We're in the throne room. Maybe I can pay attention. When somebody's up there singing... And the music's playing, or maybe they're singing a cappella, and they're 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 going, they're singing, they're doing it. And you think about over there in in Isaiah chapter six, how those seraphim, how that they begin to cry, holy, holy, holy. You think, man, maybe they had to stop just to listen to that. I just wonder how many times we have missed out on worship because of a watch. Because of the ticking of a watch. 
because of an appointment that we've had to make, because of a hunger pain. I'm, I'm guilty too. I'm not beating anybody up. I'm guilty too. I need a revival that will inflame my heartstrings. Today I, I, I prayed. Yesterday I prayed. I said, God, I don't, I don't want revival to wait until Monday. Well, Jim, I pray, God, I don't want revival to wait until Sunday. I mean, that'd be great if it would show up Sunday or Monday. Miss Irene, I said, God, I don't want revival to wait until Wednesday, tonight, now. I was praying this Monday, actually. I said, God, I want you to do it now. Monday. Still wasn't feeling all that great Monday. Walking out. Down the road. I don't know if anybody saw me. At that point, I couldn't care less. Just me and God. Bent over a little bit. Hold my head a little bit. Trying to be quiet. Trying to pray to God. Realized how holy he was. All of a sudden, my right eye started leaking. Next thing you know, Miss Abby, I was out there all by myself having church. Before I ever stopped praying about having revival, God started giving me revival. Isn't that funny how God will do? I gotta go. Need a revival that will repair my testimony, ease my pain, vex my pride, inflame my heartstring, void my complacency. I'm almost done. The word void is useless, ineffectual, or vain. Scripture that we would read would be Philippians chapter 4, verse number 11. Kind of in succession here, a few different places. Paul says, not that I speak in respect of want. He says, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He says, I've learned to be content. Okay? So, in that, he's, he's not complacent, alright? Now, there, there is a difference between complacent and content. Content is to be satisfied where you are. Complacent is to be kind of upset about where you are, alright? Then, we look at Galatians chapter number 6, verse number 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Hebrews chapter number 6, verse number 11 and 12. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, I talked about contentment. Then I talked about well-doing in due season. And now in verse number 12, we talked about this, if you will, laziness. I said, void my complacency or this uselessness. If we're not careful, we'll, get, we'll grow useless on God. 
We'll get settled in and we'll say, well, I've done this, I've done that, I'm good. Need a revival that will void my complacency. Put me on fire. Let me do it again. I did it in the 80s. Let me do it one more time, God. Did it in the night. Did it in the 2000s. Did it in the... How do you even say it? Did it in the tens. Did it in the teens. Let me do it again. Did it last year. Let me do it again. I need... This one's for me. By the sound of y'all, it sounds like all this was for me. A, I need a revival that will anoint my preaching. If all y'all say amen, I'm shooting every one of you. I need a revival that will anoint my preaching. I need God's power on me. And all joking aside... Just as much as I need God's power on me, you need God's power on me. If you are not praying that God's power is on me, then you are doing both of us and one another a disservice. And if I am not praying, and if I am not studying, and I am not seeking God's power to be on me when I stand back here, and I'm just up here on accident, then shame on me. I need a revival that will absolutely anoint my preaching. I need this word anointing is to consecrate or to dedicate my preaching to God. We read Romans chapter 12, verse number 2, but look at verse number 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We have tried, especially in their teenage years now, we've tried to teach our girls that they, they, they now they really have to kind of walk a, a, a tightrope because people are kind of looking at them a little closer because of who they represent. They are, they are not just the little, little kids of the preacher. Now they're the preacher's daughters. They're, they're the, they're the young ladies of the daughters. But what, they yet have really understood, and and maybe other folks don't, is that the preacher, I mean, we all know the preacher's not perfect, and they're not being funny, but the preacher is still held, and should be held to a higher standard. Now, he should never be put on a, on a pedestal. I need somebody to say amen. Because I'm going to tell you something. You put that preacher on a pedestal, if you ain't careful, that joker's going to fall off. And when he falls off, he's going to break something or he's going to break everything around him. Y'all hearing me? Now, he ought to be respected. He ought to be treated well. He ought to be treated right. Don't have any problem with that. That's biblical. He ought to be prayed for. He ought to be cared for. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 8, about the preaching. I'll get to the preacher in just a minute. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, 
But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. So if God has chosen the preaching to save the world, and He has chosen preachers to do the preaching, then that's very important. And church, we need to be praying for the preachers. And I know we all have favorite preachers. Some of my favorite preachers are going to be here next week. You better know I'm absolutely excited about it. But it doesn't matter if they're a podunk pastor or they're a high dollar evangelist. I'm going to pray for every one of them like they're God incarnate. Because they're God's man. I think that's the way it ought to be. That's the way it ought to be. Ephesians chapter number 6. Paul gives us the armor. He tells us exactly, you need to put this on, you need to put this on, you need to do this, you need to do this. But what we also are always forget is verse 18, 19, and 20. He says, I need you to continue. Verse 17, he talks about that helmet of salvation. But he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me. Paul says, pray for me. That utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that I may therein speak boldly as I ought to speak. I may get up here, I'm speaking as your pastor, I may get up here and I may say some foolish things. It's already been established. That's that's the truth. I may say some things that you go out and you get in your car and like, honey. And she she don't even she don't really she don't even, I I just don't know. And then y'all go home and y'all eat y'all's food and you realize nary one of y'all know what he said. I understand that. I'm up here saying it. And when I get in the car, I have that conversation with myself. And myself says, I don't know either. But, every single day, you ought to be praying. You ought to be praying, God, would you give utterance to my preacher? That he may open his mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. That's what you need to be praying. Why? Why? So that his preaching is anointed. Why does the preacher's preaching need to be anointed? If the preacher's preaching is not anointed, you could go down to an auction and listen to a man doing all his jibber-jabber and get as much out of that as coming in here, going through the motions of having a church service with no anointing. Or you can begin to pray and ask for anointing behind the pulpit. And know this, that as you're praying for the preacher to be anointed, the preacher is praying for the people to be anointed. And together, the place is anointed. And people come in 
And they go out different. Lastly, I need a revival that will load up my empty storehouses. Told somebody today, this meeting we're about to have, it is the shot in the arm that most of us need to take us through the year. It really is. There's a lot of people that I talk to all through the year, people that that y'all see at this meeting, that I see all year long on Marco Polo, Facebook, all that kind of goofy stuff. They're talking about, and it means a lot to them. As much as I love that, I love what it does for y'all. Guess what, Brother Jody? God didn't call me to be a pastor of a church in Kansas or a church in Weedowie or a church down in Florida or a church anywhere else. He called me to be the church of a flock of sheep here in America's Georgia. And these are the ones that God's put my heart with. And you are the ones that sacrifice and that pray and that plan and that wait and chomp at the bit for this meeting to come every single year. And I love seeing the anticipation and the worry about what's the preacher going to do next. I don't love that part because that scares me too. But I love the excitement. And I want God to give us a revival that will load up our empty storehouses. Over in Luke, the Bible says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Somebody said that this this measurement that he gives, the the pressed down and the shaking together and running over, is different types of measurement. One is uh, a liquid, one is dried, and one is uh, some something else. I can't remember exactly. Grain, maybe. And another writer just kind of disputed it and said, "No, this is one measurement." And and in my mind, I'm thinking maybe of of stones. And those stones, let's, let's just take, for instance, maybe uh, let's take a, a, a large uh, cut of gravel of something. You've got a five-gallon bucket, for instance, and you fill that thing full of gravel. And you take that gravel and you you got it mounded up, but you start shaking it, and it'll settle down in there. Then you take maybe some crushing run, and you put it in there, and you begin to shake it. And that crushing run gets down in there. Then you begin to put sand down on top of that. You don't think anything else can go in. You begin to press on it. You begin to hit the sides. You begin to shake it. You begin to tap it on the, on the, on the base of the bucket. Before long, all of that sand has gone down in there. Then you take some water. You pour water in it. And at first, that water just kind of runs off. But then all of a sudden, you see that water starts soaking in. And it begins to fill in all the cracks. And before long, it starts bubbling up. starts running over. The things that you've given in your life, 
And we could go on and on about things that you've given, things that you've sacrificed. God knows your heart. That's not really the issue. But whatever's empty in your life tonight, I need a revival, and you need a revival that will fill that. Now, we're not talking necessarily about your pocketbook. For me, I'm talking about spiritually. There's some empty spots in my life that I need filled. And tonight, filled some of them. This week has filled some of them. Knowing what God is, I said, knowing what God is going to do has already started filling some of those empties, empty spots in my life. Revival.